we're in an era of rapid change where resilience is vital. The Davout for Thought podcast dives into the most important topics in government and technology today. Our host, Davout Goats, sits down with his vast network of colleagues to dish on the tech challenges that affect us all. Follow this podcast on your favorite platform and join the conversation by sharing it on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Direct Technologies Davoud for Thought podcast. I'm Davoud Oates, and I will be your host today. The way I stay up with the pressing topics of tech and government of today is to tap into the panel of experts I've had the honor of connecting with over the years. Today, we have Dr. Peter Pirnajad on the podcast. Dr. Pirnajad is an award-winning government professional specializing in modernizing government operations, citizen engagement, operational efficiency, civic technology, and collaborative governance. He's an experienced community builder and organizational leader. He's best known for his leadership in civic technology, performance dashboards, and leading sustainable practices. Wow, that's impressive. His professional experience includes many high-level roles at Foster City, Oracle, City of Napa, and City of Palo Alto, to name a few. Dr. Pinajad, without sharing more about your background, I want to welcome you to this episode of our podcast and ask you to tell us about your vast experiences and what you are currently working on. Welcome. Thank you, Davud, and thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, a little bit about me. I've been a public servant my entire career. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, the time I've been spending uh, learning all facets of um, kind of public engagement, community building, um, improving civic discourse, helping uh, elected officials kind of meet their agenda. Um, Over the last 23 years, um, I've served in a variety of public sector capacities. Um, And I also took a short stint uh, for over two years uh, working at Oracle. Um, Currently, I'm sitting on two boards um, with CivStart. I sit on the board, uh, which basically is an accelerator that focuses on state and local government. And then also with Alliance for Innovation. Um, It's uh, another innovation uh, nonprofit focused on both policy and technology innovation. Um, And I'm using this opportunity to really uh, think deeply and talk to those thought leaders about what I consider an inflection point in local government. So this is timely for me. This is a, this is a great opportunity to kind of dive a little deeper into where I see government changing and um, where we can come together to help uh, contribute to a positive change. Excellent. Uh, so with your experience at uh, different public sector entities and local government experiences that you have, what emerging trends are you seeing in the IT and business fields that we should all be paying more attention to? Well, that's a really good question, and it's it's loaded. We should probably have a separate podcast just dedicated to that. But uh, in short, you know, I think there's so many disruptions in local government that need to be addressed. Um, and I think there's there's three legs to this chair. Um, there's the community, 
there's civic leaders like those elected, and then there's the administration. Um, and each of them have needs, very distinct needs. And what we're seeing is a disjointment of the three areas that really need to be aligned in order to have good governance. And I think technology can help bridge some of those gaps because in the midst of COVID, where we went from an, uh, a local government being very high touch, um, in-person type of collaboration to remote, and that caused disruption. At the same time, we had social unrest um, around Black Lives Matters and uh, the trust of local policing. Added to that, we had um, a real disruption in, with social media and kind of the, um, I would say, some of the disruption around social media and the use of social media to advance uh, local government collaboration and um, what it's done to civic discourse. Um, all that together has really created uh, a, a lot of change that government administrators are needing to deal with. And so where I think technology can help address some of this is bring everybody to the table. We've had a lot of conversations recently with thought leaders in this space around how technology can help improve and, in, and enhance civic discourse when things are remote and things have keyboard courage. You know, people have this uh, improved courage, this uh, resounding um, interest to really attack local government leaders uh, for problems that may or may not be um, at their control or in their control. Um, and so I feel like there's, there's an opportunity or maybe even as far as saying an obligation of local government to rethink its governance process and uh, deploy new tools that can help manage this, what I consider this paradigm shift um, in how local government operates and bringing these three stools back together so they're aligned, the community, the elected officials, and the administration. Right. I like how you uh, put it uh, on those three legs of a stool. And uh, bringing uh, everybody to the table is really the goal of this podcast. I mean, Direct Technology is an IT consulting firm that does a lot of consulting in different areas, but we also want to serve the community. And that's one of our goals by having these podcasts, by bringing leaders to the podcast and asking them these questions and seeing how they have solved it in their experience, solved some of the problems. So you touched on the disruptions uh, that we've experienced. I think you would agree that adjusting to the pandemic was really challenging for almost all organizations. And now everyone is thinking of what would be the next major disruption like the pandemic and how are they better prepared for it? So resiliency is a big topic of conversation these days. And we at Direct Technology have a service called Resilience as a service. What are some examples of resilience you have seen in your past experiences and what is the one thing organizations should be doing to improve resilience? Another loaded question. Oh, absolutely. Another, another podcast. Yeah. Um, so resilience um, has really been uh, a focal point for at least the last year and a half. Um, just dealing with COVID and shelter in place has forced government agencies to adapt. And, and those that have not been able to adapt have really stopped providing service until they were able to figure out how to operate in a post-COVID 
environment. Um, and even today, you know, we talk about um, not springing back, but springing forward, you know, using this, this disruption to innovate and create a new level of service. You've, uh, in the last year and a half, we've seen government agencies that have really struggled with the, uh, um, with the idea of remote public service. You know, how might you provide public service remotely? Um, maybe to the, to the private sector, like Amazon, they jumped on the opportunity and they saw huge spikes in sales and engagement with their customers that were willing to, um, you know, do everything from shop online for groceries to increase the number of purchases they made um, through online platforms. But from the local government perspective, where they don't have that level of infrastructure in place, it was much more complicated. And what would normally take years of governments to need to really um, uh, figure out how to provide remote services, they had to provide those services quickly. Um, so you went, for example, from um, paper and pencil plan checks for building permits to remote plan checks in a matter of months rather than years. Um, you saw online payments pick up quickly because there was no ability to take payments for like business license, recreation um, classes, rentals, etc. Um, you saw opportunities for remote EOC, emergency operation centers, that normally would be um, coming together in person to deal with the um, like emergencies resulting from COVID or vaccination centers, all those services had to be provided digitally. And one thing I would stress is that we haven't really seen the end or we haven't really seen what the new normal is going to be yet. So I don't know if um, the, the next disruption is actually the current disruption. We haven't really finished seeing what the current disruption is going to, going to uh, leave us. Uh, what, what's the state of government uh, once actually the dust settles. Um, I, I know there'll be a lot more remote work. Government agencies, because of some other phenomenon that's been happening on top of COVID, which is uh, something referred to as the silver tsunami. In local government, for the last 10 years, we've been warning that there's a wave of retirements coming. People that would have retired in 2008 held on because of the recession and, you know, tried to build their 401ks back up. And now they have nowhere to go. I mean, they really extended the life of their professional career and now they've retired and we're seeing huge waves of retirement. And now we're seeing a lot of next generation city leaders, local government leaders step into roles um, where maybe they weren't as prepared uh, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of uh, social unrest, social media frenzy, um, kind of a, a unraveling in some respects of how government has always worked. Um, so they're stepping into a real uh, kind of a hurricane of, of events. Um, and so with all that, uh, I think the dust really hasn't settled for local government, whereas it has in a lot of respects for the private sector. For government, the change is still very much in the midst of, of change. We're seeing still... Uh, cities grappling with remote work, how to actually provide that. They're grappling with um, the provision of uh, security in the midst of trying to create a remote workforce. Uh, they're dealing with um, connectivity between various platforms that aren't um, connected, they're not integrated uh, because they've had to shift their, their practice. Um, so the opportunity for technology to step in um, is huge. 
And sitting on the board of Civstart, we've seen an increase appetite for not only VCs to invest in startups, but we've seen uh, more risk tolerance for startups to really explore and try to find where the opportunities for innovation are within this disruption, within this this new normal that's still kind of forming. Um, So we bring on anywhere between 10 and 15 startups in a cohort every year at Civstart. And these startups are looking uh, far and wide for areas that they can add value uh, that cities, counties, um, districts, agencies of all shapes and sizes are struggling to address. Um, and I think there's a huge opportunity for GovTech to step in and not only provide tools for the government sector to help administer, but also for the public sector to help engage with their government partners. Um, so I really think the future is bright for civic innovation and government technology. Uh, and and I think it's an all-hands-on-deck approach right now, and we need the best and brightest to really step in um, and provide some thought leadership and some uh, potential value propositions that they can pose to government leaders. Uh, I think uh, you touched on adaptability. I think organizations need to be adaptable to in order to be resilient, and they've shown that they are those who have been able to stay above water. And what would organizations do in case of a regional or, heaven forbid, a global power outage? How resilient are they? What would they do in case of another civil unrest, as you mentioned, or social unrest? What about in case of a cybersecurity, some type of a technological disruption that would impact a very large region? So all of these are why we ask the question that organizations need to be resilient. And that's how we are helping them through our partners, through direct technology services to stay resilient. At Direct Technology, we always talk about how we are going to get a project done. But we also ask why we are doing what we are doing. Dr. Pinajot, what is your why? What motivates you, in other words, in your work? Well, I think um, that the why for me has always been public service. Whether I'm in the public sector or in the private sector or in the nonprofit sector serving on a board, the the idea is always how do we provide better service? Um, And as I mentioned, we're at a pivotal point. We're at a paradigm shift in local government where... um, there's so many things that need fixing. There's so many things that need uh, addressing. Uh, I think now more than ever, um, it's, it's imperative that those with the skills, training, ability, background to stick it out and stay true to their calling to continue to provide service in the local government sector. And we're seeing a lot of professionals leave the industry because it is so challenging right now, because it is so difficult to provide value when there's so much disruption and so much um, unrest in the system. Um, Oftentimes the government administrators are being blamed for things that are outside of their control. The why for me, I think is really helping our public administrators, our governance process, helping the electeds, the community, as well as the administrators through this 
this storm, you know, and there really isn't an end in sight quite yet. We, we still are very much in the eye of the storm. We don't know if the next variant is going to put us back into a shelter in place. We don't know if schools are going to continue to operate. We don't know if the systems that we have in place are going to be, um, you know, attacked by cyber attacks. Uh, there's so many unknowns. And I think um, the why for me as well, for many public administrators out there is to do good, not to make oodles of money, not to, you know, have some professional accolade, but really to provide service. And hopefully at the end of my career, um, I can look back and say, I made a positive change, a contribution to society as well as to the greater good, you know, and I, at the end of the day, you've got to be comfortable with that. Why uh, more than, you know, did I, make, uh, take a public, a company public or, and I think for some of us that serve in the public sector, the why is, um, is really about leaving the planet better than when we started. That's right, the way we found it. That's right. That's very admirable. Thank you. The next question is about inspiration and innovation. So you've had teams in different uh, organizations that you've been in. So what inspires innovation on your team? How do you inspire them to be innovative? Well, I mean, local government is really the best ecosystem to drive innovation. There's no IP. There's no, um, you know, uh, ideas that can't be shared. We, we don't have to sign um, non-disclosure agreements. We are open. We share ideas. We love to share ideas and borrow ideas from other public administrators. It's a very common practice to go to a neighboring city manager and say, you know, what's worked in your city around homelessness? What have you tried uh, that has really moved the needle on economic development? You know, what's been uh, a good practice around sustainable government and uh, climate change? Um, and so, the idea that bringing people together to share these ideas in, in venues that are oftentimes sponsored by some of our leading private sector partners, companies that are willing to put together events and to host thought leadership um, venues that bring our thought leaders in the public service together to share ideas and learn from all disciplines, public, private, nonprofit, academic, and really start to think, okay, what does this new paradigm look like? What is the new, uh, what is this new form of collaborative governance uh, look like? What's the recipe? Who's, who's had a successful operation that's, that's dealt with homelessness? And, and right now, there's a lot of innovators in the public administration space that are um, grappling with these questions, and they're having success in some ways, and those successes are being shared. And now, 18 months into this pandemic, we're starting to see conferences come back to life. We're starting to see in-person um, networking opportunities. And I think there's a huge op opportunity to inspire innovation when you bring those people together. And I think um, companies that are willing to stand behind that and provide a safe venue for these thought leaders in the public space to, to share ideas are going to see huge benefits because being part of the conversation about where the pain points are helps the private sector identify what solutions need to be advanced. 
and what the next problem that needs to be solved. But that doesn't happen through academic research papers. That happens in person, face-to-face, talking through the problems being dealt with in Riley, North Carolina, and the challenges being faced in Seattle, Washington. And bringing those administrators together, really, uh, there's, there's no substitute for that. And to have them actually face-to-face discuss IDA and bounce ideas off of each other. That's excellent. You know, if government is in federal government, state government, local government, you guys are in the forefront and you're the first responders. So I'm happy to hear that ideas are being shared at that level and best practices are taken advantage of. The last two questions, Dr. Pinajad, are kind of uh, personal. People I'm sure are going to look you up uh, if they don't know you already. But what is something that would surprise people about your background or interest? Well, you know, it's, I, I don't like talking about myself very much, but, um, but I, you know, after, you know, several decades uh, in public service, you tend to take yourself less serious. Um, mm. And so I don't, I don't mind taking a laugh at myself and taking a poke at myself once in a while. Uh, and I think um, we need more levity now because there's so much anxiety and stress in this line of work. We need some brevity and we need some levity. Um, so I was a competitive gymnast in college. Mm. Um, and it, it, those, those years were the most formidable years of, of my life because they forced me to push the limits and, and try new things that yeah. oftentimes put me in harm's way because, you know, you can't learn without failing. Right. And that really taught me some powerful lessons that, you know, you can't be scared to take risks if you're going to fall flat on your face. And sometimes our best lessons are learned when we fall and we fail. And as public administrators, I think we need to um, embrace failure and learn from it and um, really pick ourselves up and, and understand, okay, that didn't go well. What can I learn from it and how can I do better? Uh, and that needs to be embraced. And I think there's this uh, machismo <laughs> uh, among local government officials that that don't want to admit when things didn't go according to plan. Um, and I think we need to put that bravado behind us and yeah. embrace the idea of um, vulnerability yeah. and openness and, you know, failure, especially today when we're seeing so many of our institutions that we've relied on for decades crumble under our feet. Um, things can't be taken for granted anymore. And we have to be okay with the idea of failing because otherwise we're not going to be resilient and we won't recover and spring forward. That's right. There's always a need for a sandbox, a small or big, so it is allowed to fail. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's one thing that the public sector can learn and adapt from the private sector. Obviously we can't fail in everything in the public sector because power grids are at stake and sewer systems are at stake. And, yes. But there's definitely some room for innovation, even within those critical services where we can try, um, try some pilots. And I think the notion of pilots mm-hmm. are growing in popularity because you don't have to invest the same amount of time and energy. You can try it for a short period of time or you know, section off a portion of a service and see how a new technology might help advance that. And this last year and a half has been an absolute uh, huge opportunity for governments to innovate because 
quite honestly, uh, their standard level of service was not going to cut it. You know, you can't provide service in person, so you have no choice. And so, you know, you never waste a crisis, right? So this is a great example. Yeah. Crisis equals opportunity. Right. Um, And my last question, uh, where can people find you and keep tabs on what you're working on? How can people support your work? Oh, thank you. I would, I would love the support. LinkedIn is my platform of choice. Um, I tend to post and um, write and share thoughts on LinkedIn. And um, I follow a lot of people on LinkedIn as well. I think it's a great platform to really uh, not only share some of the things you're working on, but to um, embrace the accomplishments of your colleagues. Um, but that's, uh, that's probably the single best place. So if you find me on LinkedIn, I'm happy to connect with you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Pirnajat. My thanks also to the listeners out there for joining us as well. We will see you in the next episode of Davut for Thought, where we will shed more light on the human side of tech.